0: Listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for
1: another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com.
2: Hi. Thank you for tuning in to Comedy Slam Radio and the Let's Be Frank Show. We have a great show for you guys tonight. We have Dale Jones calling in, and we have Steve Eric in studio. How are you doing, Steve? I'm
3: doing really well. Dale Jones is going to be calling in. How could I not be doing well? Before we have Dale coming on in, I did want to
2: just give a little bit of a word out there. I want to thank everybody out there on Stitcher Radio and Comedy Slam Radio that have been tuning in and following us. The numbers are doing great. We continue to climb. Please feel free to follow us on Twitter at Let's Be at the Let's Be Frank Show uh it's the let's be frank's podcast on stitcher radio and guys we are doing great there we have more and more fans it's growing incredibly uh, but thank you very much and let's get to some fun so steve we were hanging out last night at perkins man that was good stuff <laughs> perkins is like the place to go after you've done a what was sunday that was the writing session we did the sunday. writing
3: workshop on sunday and then went and had cinnamon buns not cinnamon well, you so, had a lot more than cinnamon buns. I had a lot more than cinnamon buns.
2: But but you were happy with your cinnamon bun, man. They brought that out and it oh, was hot.
3: It's wonderful. Oh. Melted the topping on top, all melted in the butter. How could you not love the cinnamon bun?
2: Was that like sex for you? Because, I mean, you didn't even talk throughout that. Well, usually sex does one. involve
3: butter and melted <laughs> toppings and stuff. So, yeah, it's very similar.
2: That is great. Oh man. And I think even Gwiggy was enjoying one of them cinnamon buns, that bastard. He was like,
3: Nom 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 he was
2: gone. He was he looking there he's smiling. He's remembering the, the quality of the cinnamon bun.
3: It was a good time at Perkins last night.
2: Yeah. Now who was Paul Paul was telling me that there is a story about the booth in the back or in the one side that that's possibly where one of the names was created for somebody.
3: Well yeah, the um that's the same Perkins. Right next door to that Perkins that we go to, right. is the original Ron Bennington's comedy scene. Right, and Ron Bennington had a radio show back in the early '90s or late '80s, early '90s that was uh, really huge in the Tampa Bay area, and that is the birthplace of Larry the Cable Guy. He got his start on the Ron Bennington. Well, it was the Ron and Ron show right. on ninety-five ynf He, he back said in that they kind of created we, the name in the
2: booth.
3: It was in that booth in that Perkins we used to go. Because we would work the comedy club at Ron Bennington's comedy scene, and then we'd all go and we'd hang out at the Perkins next door, and we'd be there till like three thirty, four thirty, five thirty. I mean, we'd stay up all night and write jokes and talk about stuff. And that was in the infancy of the Ron and Ron show. And so Ron, we were sitting around, and Ron's like, "We need to come up with characters for my show. You guys need to call in." And actually, Dan Dan Whitney, who plays Larry the Cable Guy, his first uh, uh, his first character was a Jewish woman named Iris. <laughs> and he'd call him. This is Iris, and 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 he do, and so he, it was characters that would call into the radio show. And so then he came up with this c- cable guy, and the right. whole thing was, you know, and right. it wasn't even about Larry the Cable Guy. It was just the character, and he made jokes about how. You know, okay, I'm going to make a schedule, an appointment between noon and five o'clock, and I'm going to make you stay home all day, and then I'm not going to show up anyhow. And it was just this character about this cable guy who called in and messed with people on the show. So I they- should
2: I should be honored <laughs> to be eating at Perkins. That's that's, that's more- what it comes down to. Cinnamon <laughs> buns, and I should, I'm going to be a better comic. We need to start sitting in that booth. But I think we got Dale
3: Jones on the line. Speaking of wonderful comics.
2: Dale, how are you?
3: I'm good. How you doing? Not
2: too bad at all. Did you hear us talking about Perkins? Do you enjoy Perkins as well?
1: I enjoy anything that's open past midnight. Uh,
2: there you go. <laughs> that's like the comic special. You don't get to do anything until after midnight. That's when you go, and that's when the food and all the fun happens after the show.
1: So Dan, Exactly. Yeah, well, so- we got nowhere to go, and I never get food beforehand because I'm not that bright. And then <laughs> I'm starving by the time I'm done, and then i got to get what I can get, you know.
2: Well, it's funny because, I, you know, I was refreshing myself on some of your material, and I was on your YouTube today, and I saw where you were just dying hungry, but they forgot to give you silverware, and you had to go and have a little adventure there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I stole uh, silverware from somebody else's food that they ordered. Yeah. And that it was great in the uh, hotel.
2: He, yeah, because you take the camera all the way down, and then he steals it off of the thing, and then he's like, "But I'm not going to use them until after I wash them." And he <laughs> shuts it off, and he comes back with all the clean silverware.
3: I I look forward so much. To- <laughs> I look forward so much to the new Life with Dale segments, I, Dale Jones segments. I, if you haven't gone, go to YouTube and go to the, get on Dale Jones, subscribe to his channel, and watch his weekly Life with Dale because it is hilarious. The white trash this past week. My favorite one is still the Capri Sun when you're trying to open the Capri Sun and it's squirting everywhere. I mean, it, it's just brilliantly funny.
2: I did like the white trash one today. Well, thank though. you. <laughs> so what's been going on, Dale? Tell us what's going on, Tell you know. Be funny. That's why I got you here, man. Make some faces that nobody could see. <laughs> Something.
1: Ooh. Yeah, we do all the stuff that works good on radio. Okay, <laughs> yes. Here we go.
2: <laughs> Come on! I asked you to call into my show to entertain me, please.
3: Actually, it, it, it's really interesting, though, talking to Dale because it is. It, it's a total because you spent a lot of time, you, you know dissecting comedy and really right. analyzing comedy and and what dale does is so brilliant but it's so different than what anyone else does because he doesn't do setups and punchlines. he does nothing but he does an hour of punchlines. i mean there's nothing there but there, there's no hey here's the setup no it's just this is funny this is funny this is funny it, you know so it's got to be the writing behind that or the way that you come up with that is it's got to be so unique to what every other comic in the country does Deep that's
1: completely out of fear that's the <laughs> only reason I do I, 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 I uh, the silence scared the hell out of me So, and, and I was told when I started out that I had to have three minutes of non-stop laughs when I was doing open mic and if you didn't have three minutes of non-stop laughs then you didn't move to four and you didn't move to five so I took that literally because I wasn't that bright and I was like okay I gotta have them laughing non-stop for three minutes I can do that <laughs>
3: You hurt audiences. That's the whole way my style started. You hurt audiences. There's never I mean, any other monologist, any other comics, there's a time that you stop laughing and listen to the setup. You literally audiences laugh from the time you walk on stage to the time you leave stage, there's never a pause from the laughter. I mean it's just laughing hard for an hour.
2: Sounds like an ab yeah, workout.
1: Yeah, that's what I try to do.
2: Sounds it, like an ab workout. You could sell that. <laughs> it's gonna a fifteen minute special. With Dale Jones, you want to work on your abs? You got to listen to an hour comedy a day. What do you think? We could sell that for fifteen i have been told 99. I should sell
1: aspirin. That's what I've been told. <laughs>
2: aspirin. Oh, man.
1: This is going to be a fun people, hour. I go, my face hurts. My abs hurt. I, do you have anything? I should sell medicine. <laughs> print. That's what I'm going to do. Start pushing Daleprint. And uh, <laughs> I think that would work good. Yeah, man. Maybe Don't- a massage afterwards.
2: Some Jonikins instead of instead of Vicodins. Nice. <laughs> so that would so, work good. I'd so, probably take all those. But that
0: <laughs> would work
2: good. So let me ask you: When you're on stage and speaking, because you know, obviously you, you do a lot of punchlines, but you do so much physical comedy in it. Do you just let the physical comedy come out, or do you actually plan out what physical stuff you're going to do? Or is it just your natural neurosis going on stage?
1: Uh, it's a mixture. Um, <laughs> I have stuff that, I, of course, I have planned. Everybody does. If they say they don't, they're bullshit. Um, but, oh, can I guess? No. Yes, Absolutely. of
3: course. Um, I'm on here.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know there was a podcast. Uh, this is, filter, so, this um, is
2: Fat Davies Filterless Radio.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. So, um... Uh, yeah I've got stuff planned out, but then there's also i I let go at some point and just do it, and then stuff happens and if there's something physical there there is, and then I try to remember what it is. I record all my shows with a little audio recorder and I try to listen to every show after I do it and uh try to remember what I did as far as ad living and then I just try to add it in because most of it is once I get into that character, it starts writing some of itself because I'll just go with the flow. And I'll come up with ideas that I would have never come up sitting there looking at a piece of paper.
2: So you're definitely ad-libbing and improv in some of the show along the way. So there is no two shows that are ever going to be the same.
1: Well, yeah, but some nights the ad-lib is three minutes. You know, sometimes the ad-lib is seven minutes. Sometimes there's no ad-lib at all. I never know. I mean, you can't, you never know when the ad-lib is going to be. So um, so when people tell me, you know, or, uh, do you have a whole different show? When I come back, I'm like, uh, no, but I probably went so fast you won't remember a lot of it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, plus, you're so physical. And you, usually with a joke, yeah, once you heard it, you know the punchline, and it's not funny the second time. But watching you do the movements that you do on stage, that's just funny to watch no matter how many times you've seen it.
1: Very true. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I just do it to have fun. I go up there and just let go and try to just, uh, you know. And the reason, and the most, the biggest reason I do the ad libs is for me because I don't want to do the same because I'll get bored, you know. So I got to do something new. So I'm always trying to create something. And I'll finally get a show perfect the way I want it. And then I'll write like five minutes and I'll stick it in the middle. And then it's all, to me, it's horrible again. And then I got to get it back to perfect. So I'm very anal, I guess, in that respect.
2: From what I understand, most successful comics uh, are kind of anal and they go over their sets and they listen to them and they watch them and, you know, that's what you have to do to move up and come along and you're just shy of 20 years now. You're at 19 years in comedy, so it's got to be paying off.
1: Yeah, it's doing pretty good. I did, I did a trip to L.A. about a month ago or so. i would never gone other than filming like a little thing for Fox or something like that and then I beat be out. But, um, and I'd never done the comedy clubs there. And to be honest, I was a little nervous because I thought I wasn't good enough to be in that circle. And, uh, things seemed to go okay. I got talked to about doing a Craig Ferguson. And, um, nice. I don't know. I don't know where that's going to go. But, uh, yeah, but I don't believe anything. I've had so many freaking offers. And I don't believe a damn thing anymore. You just can't. You'll drive yourself nuts. You know, like I was supposed to be when they did the first blue collar comedy tour they were going to do a blue collar comedy too. And it was going to be all different comedians. And it was supposed to be uh Blake Clark, Steve McGrew, me and somebody else. And then that was all the rage And it was going to be, uh, we were going to go out and do the next uh, leg. And then it hit so huge. They just kept the same guy, which of course they should have. But I mean, you hear offers like that all the time, you know, and you just can't, you can't believe them, you know, Or you'll you'll drive yourself nuts. So uh, as far as the Craig Ferguson goes, I mean, eventually it'll happen. I I do know that. But I don't uh, focus everything on just that, you know, and then just because you'll eat a bullet.
0: Well, you
3: know.
1: Well, that's you be know. sitting in your tub going, I can't believe it happened again. yeah you know, and you just you know, it'll crazy.
3: Well, I got a I got an email from your wife saying that she just passed a an audition that she was really excited about, but she's like, don't mention it or talk about it because until I'm actually on it, so obviously your viewpoint of that is rubbed off on her. That until you're actually on the stage filming it and then it actually makes air date, it, it hasn't happened yet, so don't talk about it.
1: Yeah, I don't even uh, even when the check cashes, I don't believe <laughs> it. It says I was on I've the show. I got the money but... and I bought something with it, and I'm like, "This this video game isn't real. I don't believe it. It didn't happen."
3: So, what was your first national television right. spot?
1: First national television, I did. Uh, actually, well, my first one was wasn't in this country. It was in Canada. I did uh, the Great Canadian Lap Off. The uh, first annual Great Canadian lap. I did it with uh, Flip Schultz. Ended up going. Flip Schultz, a very funny and, uh, Philly, you know. Uh-huh. You know Philadelphia yeah. out of Orlando. Sure, Phil. I know he Flip was Schultz on as well. Also, so, it was. Go ahead.
2: No, no, we were we were both saying that we both knew the other comics that you were referring to. Actually, oh, Philly, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I thought Billy came up last night. Oh, did he? Well, he just came up in the Perkins conversation. Cool. That's all with Paul Olin. He's
1: Oh, okay. I haven't seen him in years. So it was the three of us and they put us up at Yuck Yucks in Toronto and we did the Great Canadian laugh off and you got I think it was fifteen grand or something and the second <laughs> prize was steak knives. <laughs> <laughs> so did you get
2: steak knives or fifteen grand? <laughs>
1: I didn't get steak knives. I, I, I got a free hotel for the weekend. That's about all I got. But uh
3: so the Great Canadian
1: made it into the top eight. The Great Yeah, we made it we made it into the top eight and then they aired that on um uh the Comedy Network is what they call that there. So that was that was my first T V. But I thought it was hilarious that they had three Americans and a Canadian laugh off. And I'm like, if one of us win this they're going to gut us before we get to the line. There's no way an American's going to work, win the first great Canadian lap off. That's insane.
3: Well, now you just won a very big competition, okay. that 10K, uh, up in uh, the casinos up in, what, Iowa, which is an odd place to have a national competition, but it was a pretty big thing in the industry, and uh, you slaughtered everybody.
1: Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was pretty cool. And I needed that because the next week I went to L.A. So that kind of gave me the boost <laughs> that i like, okay, I'm doing all right. So,
2: not the 19 successful uh, years, but one winning one competition, <laughs> that's what makes it okay to go to L.A., not 19 successful years. Damn it, I need to get invited to that competition. <laughs> Fuck, this shit keeps getting harder and harder. Every time I talk to another comic, there's just more rules, and it just keeps getting worse. It's going to have to quit comedy get a fucking job at mcdonald's
1: i don't it just made me feel good to do that plus it wasn't really 10 grand it was 10 grand split amongst all the winners and the semi-finals so i ended up getting three grand which is still <laughs> awesome but i thought it was kind of funny that it was 10k and it's a small print it's, it's split up between you and 11 people
3: well that's how all those are the, the <laughs> america's got america's got talent you win a million dollars but it's paid off over 40 year installments <laughs>
2: As as with everything in nice. America, read the fine print. There's always fine print.
1: Exactly. And that and that one was put on by um, the Comedy 10K. That was uh, Penguin, Jeff Johnson.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, so- he, he set that one up. That was all his uh, thing. And it was at the um, Mo- Mississippi Moon Bar in Dubuque, which is a, actually a big theater room. And they have a lot of concerts there and stuff like that. And uh, I think it holds... Five hundred?
3: Wow. Something. Nice size theater.
1: five hundred people? Yeah, it was good size theater. It was really cool. And uh yeah, that was a good time. I did that and then um and then I just uh, I signed up for Boston Comedy Fest. I'm gonna hopefully I'll get to go there again. That's coming up in September I think.
3: You did that like four or five years ago, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I've done it twice. I did okay. it in 2000. Well, I think I did it in two thousand eight. So I was wanting to go back because I've been working on all these five-minute sets for television. And to be honest, the first time I went and did the first two times I went, I didn't know how to do a five-minute set. <laughs> um, and it's definitely a different animal. So
0: now
1: that I practice for all these television spots, I want to go in there and see if I can slam it. Because you, all you have to do is uh, a five-minute set and then an eight-minute set, and you don't even have to switch up your material.
3: Well, I'm oh. not I'm not going to mention names, but a, a couple of years ago, one of the things, of the, you know, the, whoever wins the Boston Comedy Festival, they get all kinds of different dates and they tour, you know, on the credit of winning the Boston Comedy Festival. And I got a call from a club saying, hey, uh, we have the winner of the Boston Comedy Festival here this week, and he's hilarious for eight minutes, but we need somebody who can fill an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> is there any way you could come and <laughs> fill out the rest of the show with him?
1: Yeah, I, I know exactly who you're talking about, this, and he's getting mad now.
3: Yeah, he's doing wonderful now, but
2: <laughs> but those things happen. And you know what? I'm glad that Steve told me that story because they're having here in St. Pete, they're having uh,
3: it, it, they have auditions. Jim's coming down to uh, St. Pete to do auditions for the Boston Comedy Festival. So and a going to gonna go.
2: be at the St. Pete Coconuts. Yeah. And my first thought is, hey man, I'm a comic. No. I, I should go do that. You know. And then all of a sudden, Steve's like, yeah, but don't forget, Dave. You got five to eight minutes, and then he told me the same story, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I cannot be made to look like an asshole because I win a competition, and then I can't do nothing. That's horrible.
3: But you're not going to win the competition anyhow, so don't yeah, yeah, it
2: worry about don't <laughs> <verse> that. <on laughs> <other end>. <laughs> this is my bubble. Don't worry about that later. Listen, this is my bubble. This is the Let's Be Frank show. I am God here. In here, I could win any fucking competition in the world. This is my realm.
3: <laughs> yeah, but once you get to that stage, you're nobody. <laughs>
2: Right, but for this next 25 <laughs> minutes or so, i matter a little bit. A little bit I got 41 minutes of mattering left till next week, all right? Burst my fat fucking bubble here just so soon. So let's call now with you now. <laughs> <laughs> just do that 5
1: minutes right there. Do that.
2: I just got a new 5 just minutes.
1: God damn it, I matter.
3: <laughs> I'm somebody. God damn it. The ratings are going to go up this week, baby.
1: and then just drop the mic. Chris Rock <laughs> drop the mic. Walk off stage.
2: That is awesome.
1: <laughs> exactly what used to do. Genius. Well, so if I was you, man. I go do the five to eight minutes. I mean, what the hell? Who cares about the headlining on the other end? Let them worry about that shit later. No, you know?
2: yeah. I go to that club all the time, and they're very good to me there. They give me plenty of guest sets for five to eight minutes.
3: And it's not about winning a competition. It's about the experiences about exactly. the connections you make. It's about just being surrounded and you know immersed in that atmosphere that's going to do nothing but help you. Exactly. I will go if right. Get-
1: and, and to be honest, I talked to uh, Dwight Slade. He won one year that I was there, two thousand eight, and I talked to Dwight the next year. And I go, "Hey man, how's it going? Did you get anything from the Boston?" He goes, "No." He goes, "The money was good." I go, "Your managers didn't jump on that and get you more gigs and stuff like that." He goes, "No." And I go, "Okay, for two thousand the next year, they have to come back and say this was last year's winner and have you do a set or anything." He goes, "No, I never <laughs> heard nothing. I just took the money and left."
3: It's important to have good management. Wow.
1: <laughs> Or some self promotion. And that's Dwight Slade. Wow. I mean, we're kinda loud. Dwight Slade's not getting anything. The rest of us are fucked. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I want to do the check in. <laughs> the Boston Comedy Festival will improve your career. Check in. That goes out to Chris Gorgeous, and that's just all I'm gonna say about that.
3: Uh, <laughs> so you did the your first uh, your first national spot was uh, Canadian television. Then America. You, you, now, obviously, you did last Comic Standing, and you won. I mean, you made the big stage on that. You made it past all the in line goofy stuff, and uh, yeah. then you got to get on stage and do your goofy stuff.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I do. I don't even know if it's jokes. <laughs>
2: Well what what's the experience like yes. being on last, uh, on that show Last Comic Standing was was it an overall a great experience for you cuz you had been in comedy for so long before you got
1: there so Um well first of all I didn't stand in line. I got an email.
2: <laughs> nice.
1: That said uh, hey meet us at the back of the building <laughs> at this time and we will uh parade you in basically. uh,
2: So the fix was in from the beginning. I like it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, (laughs) I guess through somebody, I can't Damn it. He's going to kill me for not knowing his name. He got pulled from the line, I guess. But what they were doing was taking like eight to 15 people into a tent. And then they just said, go and you tell your best joke. And they write it on a piece of paper or whatever. And that was it. That's what I heard from the line. But um, with mine, there was uh twenty thirty, maybe forty of us, and they just paraded us in the back and we went in in front of the producers and did uh what I do two minutes, three minutes, and then the lady looked at me the the first time I went in, I was nervous as hell, and she goes uh she goes, "We don't have anybody here like you, but uh and I don't know if any of this stuff will work or not, but uh, yeah, we'll push you through." <laughs> Okay. That was, a, that was a great
2: <laughs> vote of confidence right there.
1: Wow. Exactly. So I got rid of my whole set that I was going to do. I was like, all right, hell with all this stuff, and I'll do new stuff. And then I went up in front of uh, uh, Norm, oh, what's her name, John Ratzenberger, and uh, uh, the other guy from Cheers, uh, uh, Cliff and Norm. I don't know okay. their names. uh yeah, and I did a set just, just for them. That was the next round, and I did a set just for them, and uh, I finally got to my last joke. I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was doing the dinosaur or something stupid, and uh, John Ratzenberger goes, okay, you finally made me laugh. All right, we'll push you through. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Okay, so then I scrapped all that. <laughs> <laughs> And then I went to the final show and I didn't even know what I was going to do. I got, I, I didn't even take a shower before I went to go do the TV thing. I was in my room and I was freaking out and i had been standing in the rain all day. And I look like, I look like shit. And I was like, I'm going to be doing TV. You know, like horrible, and know, the horrible, I don't know what <laughs> jokes I'm going to do. And, uh, they, and then they put me last on the list. So I had to close the damn show. and I had to be in this competition. And then, uh, they just said my name and I was like, "I don't know what I'm going to do." And I just walked up there and I just started and did my stuff till the light came on <laughs> and then that uh, that obvious that went really good <laughs> so and then uh and then they shipped us from there to um where do we go? Oh, Vegas, We went to Vegas for the semifinals, and then um that one was a nightmare because they wouldn't let me do anything that I wanted to do. They made a signed contract that said they could lie to us and they could say anything (laughs) they wanted to to help improve the show. Basically anything except for rape, you could have done to you.
2: (laughs) Wow. They could rape your material, but not you. Wow.
1: That's pretty nice Yeah, I had an entertainment lawyer look at my stuff, and she called me and she goes, are you sure you want to do this show? Because they are ripping you a new one. yeah, I, of course I want to do it. It's national TV. And um, so, uh, yeah, I went and did that. And they wouldn't let me say uh, – they wouldn't let me do some of the jokes I wanted to do. They wouldn't let me say "poontang" tang on NBC. <laughs> you would think that's uh, a pretty safe word. Which was the punchline of the whole damn joke. So I'm trying to come up with different words. So I come up with cooter, you know, and all this stuff. And they go, no, oh, you can't say cooter. And I go, cooter was on the Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say cooter. <laughs> Man. man. They ended up saying Nookie, which made no damn sense. And then I found it. and then I went on T V and I said Nookie and Steve Sharippa and Belzer looked at me like I was a jerk.
3: <laughs> so, that would have been funny if you would have said Poontang.
1: Yeah. And what I should have done is it said Poontang. And and uh, uh Joey, my wife, she well girlfriend at the time, she's like, Just say it. Just freaking say it. And I go well. I say it like four times in that joke. That means my first joke on National Television is "Hi." <laughs>
2: <laughs> that would have been great
1: yeah, I too. I, I in hindsight, I, it's exactly what I should have done because that would have been memorable as hell.
2: Hell oh, yeah! Because people would Remember still be looking zone? that Just up today. That was a feat. That'd be awesome. You'd have had the highest click rate. I ever. don't know what
3: he said, but it must have been really cool. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, you would be so many people's hero. And Segway, speaking of oh. heroes, <laughs> now who were some of you, we, we had a whole thing on Segways last night in the writing session, but who, who were some of the people that you looked at as you were growing up in comedy and what brought you to the stage? What made you decide to say, fuck it, I'm going to go on stage and be an ass for people and get paid?
1: Oh, I didn't know I was going to get paid. I had no idea <laughs> when, I went, when I started. No, I honestly had no idea. I, had, I was driving a forklift and uh, at, in Nashville, and after I did a couple open mics and I started going regularly, they were like uh, people I worked with, like, when are you going to start getting paid? What's the deal on this? I go, I don't know. I'll probably get a paycheck in like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue there was money in it. I just knew that... Uh, I was tired of drinking every weekend and hanging out at the cake parties, and I had to do something. But, so now, um, now you're as drinking. As, heroes, I... Go ahead. as far as heroes, it, uh, probably, I, I watched all the Abbott and Costello movies when I was a kid around all Saturday right. afternoon, and Jerry Lewis and stuff like that, and um, Steve Martin, I like that, uh, Robin Williams. I saw and Loose. That was my first experience watching Richard Pryor. Seeing him in the movie and Loose, I thought great he was pretty movie. awesome. There,
2: great movie. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, and and um, I just got picked on a lot when I was a kid. And then I I, was, I remember I was in this was a, this is actually a moment that I remember in, in school. I, I was like kindergarten, and there was this kid named Russell, and he goes, "Hey, if you're tired of getting picked on, just act funny. Nobody will pick on you if you're laughing." And I remember that like it happened yesterday and it was like a switch in my head and I'm like, all right i can do that and then that's when i started acting silly and then i figured out that people they weren't mean to me every when they were laughing
3: and, and russell uh, went on to become russell simmons <laughs> yeah and he doesn't talk to me at all <laughs> He come back
1: to me later, and he says, "Dude, you got to wear your pants past your ass if you want to be somebody and you want them to laugh at." You. <laughs> <laughs> that is great.
3: Uh, that's pretty um, insightful for a kindergarten. Yeah, and I
1: used to. We lived way out in the country, so I used to watch the Abbott and Costello movie, and then I would act out the whole movie out in the yard because we had ten acres <laughs> and we were away from people. Wow! And I, I literally remember watching, you know, like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and I run out in the yard and I act out the whole movie.
2: <laughs> That's nuts, man.
1: And, uh, I did stuff like that all the time, and, and and then I guess when I got older, I just I didn't have any interest in anything else. I mean, I went to i t t after high school for drafting. i never took drafting in my life. I was there for six months, and all I did was get drunk and trace my roommate's drawings
2: Nice. That is awesome.
1: And I- yeah, I turn to in, and they go, Dale, you're going to be a really good engineer someday. And I go, yeah, as long as Adrian's sitting next to me, I'm going to be awesome. Uh,
0: that
1: is, that is even a- I, I quit going there, and then I worked at a lumber yard, and then uh, um, I got shipped off for drinking. I got shipped to my uncle's house in Florida because I was drinking. Till and then I roundabout ended up in Nashville, and some guy finally dared me. I was driving a forklift. We was making brakes for diesel trucks. And a guy dared me to do stand-up. So I, I wasn't a jackass. I just did run down there. I, I went and watched Open Mic for like a month. And then I wrote uh, 11 minutes of material and found out that was uh, 15 seconds <laughs> of material, actually. I have had and that experience. I on stage and I, uh, my first time on stage, I had to follow a guy that got the microphone and the spotlight turned off on him. And uh, because he was talking about, he was downtown Nashville, and he saw a dog fucking a dead dog. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Gross.
0: <laughs>
2: and
1: this was 19, it was January 12, 1993. That was my first time on stage. And um, uh, the open mic at Zaney's in Nashville, they had 23 people on the open mic that Tuesday. And I was number 23, because the new guy always went last. And uh, so they turned off the mic, they turned off the light, and Roger Keith, I don't know if you know him or not, he was the uh, MC at that time. And he brought me up on stage, and people were standing at the back of the room at the door waiting to leave. Wow. <laughs> they, they weren't were- even in there, so they were done after the dead dog fucking. They were done. <laughs> they
3: How do you I mean, follow that? <laughs> It does just take I one go, run. I had no material. <laughs> I was horrible.
1: You know? And I, I was talking, and I'd never been on stage. I didn't do any acting in school. I didn't do any plays. I did nothing. So I had to learn everything from scratch. I had to learn stage presence. I had to learn how to talk at a, you know, not 500 miles an hour. And I had to learn how to write a joke. I had to learn everything. And uh, I was horrible. I was going 500 miles an hour, and I remember I did something, and I go, well, I fucked that joke up, and I got a laugh. And that was the only laugh I got that night. And that, made, that 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 hooked me right there. Just that one, and I ran off stage and somebody I didn't know. <laughs> and after that, I just kept going. There you
0: go.
3: Now, when you started out, Dale was yeah. was it the physical comedy? or Is that something? At what point in your career did you develop that character or the physical comedy that you do? Did you start out like that, or did you start out trying to do monology or trying to do what have you, props, whatever?
1: I started out doing monology, and uh I wanted to be the cool guy. I was trying to be like the Dennis Miller, but I wasn't smart enough to be Dennis miller and um and then I could, and then, and then i tried I tried being a cool mustache guy, and I realized I couldn't grow a mustache and then Tim Wilson looked like told me it looked like a woolly worm died on my face and uh and then I tried props one night. And the whole idea was I was going to blow up a, a a balloon and make balloon animals, but I couldn't blow up the balloon. That was the whole joke. And then I was going to give up and say it's a worm. <laughs> and and they didn't even laugh at it. And I got a video of it of me standing on stage going, you're supposed to laugh, goddammit. I'm out of here. I fucked off stage.
2: Now, you, got, you should put that on the YouTube channel, man. Get that up there. <laughs> I want to laugh at you unsuccessfully blowing up a balloon.
1: Oh, oh, there's there's a lot of... I got a lot of stuff that's unsuccessful. <laughs> there's a lot of horrible things I did. Um, and then I, I took a writing class. And uh, I ended up... I, in the class, I did an impression of a toy monkey. And uh, I really liked doing the physical stuff. I found out I could do the physical on the faces better than I could write the joke at the time. So then I just started writing more physical stuff but the problem was I was using that as a punchline instead of actually doing a punchline and doing the physical after it and and that's when the physical started so it was probably about six months in maybe seven months in I started doing physical Mm mm-hmm about the time I got kicked off the open mic, they kicked me off the open mic at one point because they said I wasn't funny.
3: You got kicked off and open mics can do that? How do they have open mics anywhere? Yeah, they I suddenly feel slightly more successful. If that was a prerequisite, there wouldn't be open mics. Wow.
1: They kicked me off at NASA, and they said, uh, I go, it's Tuesday. I'm only doing three minutes, and it's for free. I You're not funny. I go. You can sit in the back of the room and watch every show you want to watch, but you ain't going on stage anymore. And i was like, wow. holy! shit. So I started traveling and going to other clubs and doing open mics.
3: And now, is that one of the clubs?
1: And of, uh,
3: is is that one so of the is that one of the clubs that's saying, "Well, Dale, now that you're this huge, successful national touring headliner, we're your home club. This is where you started. Come back, Dale."
1: No.
2: <laughs> Matter of fact, if they ever want him back, his, no, his numbers are going to double. This is how much I need to come back to your you club. Think,
1: is... You would think that would end the fairy tale, but no, I'm uh, working at Zaney's uh, next week on Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> I'm not even doing it. The, the, the Nashville Zanies has turned into like an improv. They have a big name. I mean, if you don't have a movie or a television show, you just don't headline on the weekend. He's just got it that way. and uh, So I'm lucky to even have my foot in the door. And um, But, yeah, they're working me there next week on Wednesday and Thursday.
2: He's like, hey, man, so, I still don't think you're funny, but all these other people <laughs> like you, so I'm going to let you in the club now.
3: The woman from Bassani's doesn't think you're funny. <laughs>
1: Did you hear what happened at Vasani? Yes, I heard, that?
3: I heard the story. No, we didn't talk about it here, but I've heard the story. I saw, and I saw your thing on Facebook. I think I might have even put some smart-ass comment about Ron on there. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I heard the story. It's hysterical.
2: Come on. Tell us the story, man. It, Let us hear it.
1: Okay. It was probably the uh, last time I was there, so it was like a month ago. And I was on stage, and stage left, there was this woman, and she is writing furiously and just staring at me like I'm have shitting her cornflakes or something. I mean, she's really looking at me like she's mad. And finally, I'm seven minutes in or something, and I look at her and I go, are you okay? And she just starts putting the paper away real fast, and she won't look at me. And she looks at her uh, husband, and he goes, uh, I go, what are you writing? And she wouldn't answer me. And um, her husband goes, she's doing her shopping list. <laughs> and I go, oh, so I'm up there sweating my ass off, and you're worried about peaches. <laughs> And then she wouldn't answer me. And then she puts her hand over her face like horse blinders on both sides of her head. And she looks at the table like she, she just rounded her face so she cannot look at me at all. And uh, she stays like that for the rest of the show. And um, so I was, I was supposed to do 45. And I was thinking, you know, at one point I was thinking, you know, I should feel sorry for this. You know, I should say, hey, if you're not having fun, I'm not here to make you unhappy. Just leave. And then I thought, no this is a 60 year old woman. She's got legs. If she wants to leave, she can excuse herself, and go to the bathroom. So instead of doing 45, I did like an hour five, just to torture her for another 20.
2: <laughs> that is awesome.
1: <laughs> and I was like, and I, I begged her to tell me what was on the list before this all happened. And she would, I go, the owner's sitting right over there. Let's hear it, you know? And, um, so anyway, I do the hour five, I get off stage and, uh, some of the staff found a piece of paper. She threw it on the floor, and it said, uh, "The the tone of his voice is annoying." <laughs> so, apparently, my voice was driving her nuts. And then the uh, somebody else told me that her husband was laughing at my jokes. And um, somebody else told me they could see from an angle where they were sitting that every time he'd laugh, she'd punch him in the leg. <laughs>
2: That poor bastard.
1: So she, Yeah, that coach is pretty good functional. She's able to cover her face, look down, and punch him in the leg at the right time. That's timing. That's good stuff. So so the next day, she put a thing on TripAdvisor, which is uh, TripAdvisor.com, under the Vasani section, which is supposed to talk about their food and stuff. And she said...
3: Which, up until this time, they've had an unblemished record. They're a, they're a five-star establishment on TripAdvisor.
1: <laughs> Until I came to town And then I dropped him to a four
2: <laughs> Guess who's not coming back next we- year
1: <laughs> Yeah I need to I, I wish I had that thing It's on my Facebook page I wanted to get the wording right She said we went to, Basically She said we went to Vasani's last night The, uh, the first comic uh, was Ron Hortman She said Ron was excellent I enjoyed him the sec- However, the second comedian, Dale Jones, was the worst comedian I have ever heard <laughs> and seen. <laughs> the, uh, the, the tone, of, the, the sound of his voice, uh, of fingernails on a blackboard, the sound of his voice made fingernails on a blackboard sound melodious.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I remember Melodious, and she talked about redneck humor.
1: Yeah, she said I was a redneck with no imagination. Thank you, Steve. A
2: redneck with no imagination. That is fucking great.
1: Which is amazing because my whole act is imagination. (laughs) She just couldn't see it because she kept her blinders on. It's all bullshit. Just, just
3: Just because she couldn't see your imaginary friend doesn't mean you didn't.
1: That's right, and you have yeah, jokes a bit, about your I'm imagination about fight. having three heads and driving <laughs> off a cliff, and one of them's giving the other one a wet willy in the tongue, you know, because the other two heads fell asleep, and then they're flying off. Yeah, there's no imagination.
0: <laughs>
1: I, I, <laughs> so the, but the best line in the whole thing was uh, the fingernails on the blackboard were melodious. She said, uh, "Dinner was great, and the soup was fantastic." <laughs>
3: <laughs> Getting beat out by the soup. That, that, well that should just be on all of your promo from now on. Just the soup was fantastic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dale oh, Jones man. is
3: brilliant. Dale Jones the funny. Dale Jones the soup was fantastic.
1: <laughs> so I'm trying to write I gotta write a chunk on that. I just can't let that let that
0: go. <laughs> no way you can't let yeah, that, that was- go.
1: Yeah, it was my first hate ever, <laughs> first hate critic. So that was pretty
2: cool. You should. Did you go to the Vasani's website and make another post about her? You should go and make a post about her. No,
1: the owner went there, though. The owner answered her and wrote a whole thing about, hey, uh, you said the food was good, and people come here for the food, and the uh, comedy is for a choice. So when you make these, marks, I mean, it was a really well-thought-out answer. How- He's like, in- and you calling him a redneck is a little offensive. And uh, if you don't like the show, that's fine. But you, you're you're marking this down as affecting my staff and stuff like that. So it was a really well-answered thing. And then he put that I was one of his uh, top comics he had come in there. So it, it was really well-answered. He asked me what I wanted to say, and I wanted to start out with, um, Dear fucking Soup Lady.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dear the Soup is good. <laughs>
1: I'm guessing your perfume is <laughs> clam chowder. You know, that's what I was saying. Apparently, you're supposed to take the high road.
2: <laughs> well, he, 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 who who was it the other day that had to take the high road? Uh, we were talking about the other day, Daniel Tosh. He got forced to take the high road and apologize. What do you guys think about that?
1: I think that's the way it works when you got a show on Comedy Central. <laughs> or any show, for that matter. They're just going to make you, you know, but all it's going to do is get in better ratings. I mean, what I think's funny about it is that the girl said in her blog that uh, she usually didn't interrupt uh, comics or anything, but she just couldn't sit there and not uh, voice her opinion. So when she voiced her opinion, her opinion was that he wasn't allowed to voice his opinion. (laughs) But it's okay for her to voice her opinion.
2: That's so (laughs) awesome.
1: Uh. So the whole turn, which I didn't get, okay, well, I'll agree with your opinion, but by God, I'm going to interrupt you and voice my opinion, and now I want an apology. And it's not like he had a bit about five guys raping a chick. That was not a bit. It's not like he walked out and goes, hey, everybody, let's talk about rape, and let's talk about this bitch getting it right now by five chicks. You know, five guys, you know, I don't know, it is ridiculous. But it's always ridiculous. You never see there's no footage, there's nothing. There's just just chicks. She could maybe she wasn't even at the show. Who the hell knows? All she did was <laughs> write a stupid blog. Right. I, I bet it was the same bitch that gave me hell.
3: <laughs> 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 Rape's not funny, but the soup is good. <laughs>
1: If she she would have ended that blog with, I don't like rape, but the soup was fantastic, then we know we got a cereal necklace.
2: That would be awesome.
1: Lady, I would
2: like the soup lady, if you're listening, please call the show at 727-493-2055 and tell uh, Dale Jones about the soup.
1: What was so funny is all the Seinfeld jokes that are coming out, no soup for you.
2: Seinfeld <laughs> uh, so was one of the best fucking, I love the soup Nazi. Uh-huh. That was a, one of my favorite na- moments, I think. One of them. It's up there. That, maybe because it's tied to yep. food and I'm a fat guy, <laughs> but the other one with the muffin
3: tops. Anything with food, fat.
2: <laughs> I like it, but the muffin tops with, uh, what was it, with rice with uh, Julie Louise Dreyfer. <laughs> uh. Muffins. Muffin
3: tops. I don't remember that one.
2: Where the, uh... She, she had said to the guy making the muffins, um, it was, it, what was her name, Elaine?
3: Elaine, she only liked the top of the muffins. She'd yeah. break the top off, and then the, stu- the bottom of the muffin that stayed down in the paper, she always threw that away. So then she decided, instead of throwing it away, she'd uh, donate them to a homeless shelter. And so now all these homeless people are like, who the hell, what, we don't deserve muffin tops, we just get... Th- <laughs>
2: We only get the bottom of the mountains. I can't Uh.
1: believe I missed that one. I have to look that up. I
2: will look that up on Netflix. You know what? As long as you go to Netflix, because I was going to say, if you go to YouTube, Google, you don't fucking know what's going to pop up if you type muffin pop. (laughs) A picture of
1: Fat David.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. That would be a monstrous. I got a muffin fucking mountain.
1: Now Dale you more do more likely you end up seeing uh footage from the latest poison concert. <laughs> <laughs> you see all the muffin drops out there crying out loud.
3: Now, you do a podcast, Dale. Uh, how is it a weekly thing? Is it uh how long have you been doing that?
1: It's been going on for I don't know how long it's been. It's called the ambivalent podcast show. And uh it's weekly lately. There for a while, I wouldn't do it.
0: I just, <laughs> <run out. laughs>
1: but lately it's been weekly, and it's only. Um, we what we do is we cut it down to. We were doing like an hour, an hour and ten, and I couldn't even listen to it. So I was like, you know what? If I can't listen to it, I, uh, these people with uh, a life definitely can't <laughs> listen to it. So, so I because I'm sitting in my car just driving to wherever. If I can't stand it for an hour and ten, the normal person ain't listening. No way. So I uh, told. Uh, Vilmos, the guy I'm doing the podcast with, I go, let's cut this down to 30 minutes and just do it. So then we decided we were going to take the, uh, every week we see what the weather is in Chicago and if it's uh, 93 degrees, then we take 30 plus the three and we do a (laughs) 33 minute podcast. And that's how you judge it, every and then week. we just cut it off. It just stops at thirty-three minutes. It doesn't matter what the hell we're talking about. It just boom, and then I made a little sound bite that goes "up and then it starts singing this stupid alien song that I made on GarageBand."
3: <laughs> Is that? I, I I figured that was your your voice, and it kind of had that hamster voice to it. But the, <laughs> you're the one who sings it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I sing that. I, I and it's just uh the first song is this is the intro. And the last song is this is the outro and (laughs) it's just stupid stuff that I I do that song in like four minutes, but I put in garage band and then I put an echo on it and I put two alien voices. So they're like my backup singers. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did that with a microphone that I bought and, uh, When I did it, I was in St. Louis at a gig with Jody, and I'm sitting in the hotel room singing this while she's at work, and then when she comes back, she goes, what'd you do? Were you bored? And I go, no, and I hit a button, and I played it for her, and she goes, you're you're, you're out of your mind.
3: (laughs) It's got to (laughs) be, it's got to help being married to a comedian, because uh, you definitely have a different skew on life that most people, a lot of people would have a difficult time understanding
1: yeah uh,
2: yeah i have a funny feeling that you are and it's, it's got to be a comedian because i have a funny feeling you are not too much different off of the stage or off of youtube in real life i mean you you're probably just as fucked up so it's got to take a special person just to deal with that on the regular walking around the house i mean because i could just you. Oh, i'm definitely you-
1: fucked up like last night i came up with uh I just out of nowhere I went,
0: "Hey kids,
1: it's time for the offensive Rocky and Bullwinkle show."
0: <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle, I'm a fucking bastard.
1: <laughs> I was not under there for an hour. <laughs> oh man! But I have my boring times too. I mean, I'm not always on. I mean, I'd be in jail. That'd, that'd be insane. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I saw. Mean, I saw the I last have boring... the times where I'm actually pretty boring, and I re- and I read a bunch, you know, and and, and I have a. Uh, where usually when i walk on stage it's like a switch i mean i don't act like that i mean i have hung steve knows that we hang out in a restaurant and i'm not embarrassing everybody so people nuts. i'm usually the quiet guy in the room
3: well you're not you you don't have the energy that you bring to the stage but you still have a, a really wonderful unique observation about everything around you that's just i mean you're, you're you've got a brilliant mind whether you're acting it out or just kind of quietly I, uh, making I, those observations
2: I need you to cancel whatever gig you're doing on Thursday, and you have to come and entertain us at Perkins, please. (laughs) You you need to come to Perkins. Damn it. This is my bubble, and in my bubble, Dale is coming to Perkins on Thursday on Gulf to Bay in Florida. I don't know where you're at now, but fucking get to Perkins in Florida. We're going to get you that fantastic cinnamon roll. It's going to be good. We could sit in the seat Yes, (laughs) absolutely. We are going to let you sit in the ass prints left by Dan Whitney before he became Larry the Cable Guy. I think that'll be a great experience.
1: I I would be honored to sit in (laughs) Dan Whitney's ass (laughs) tracks.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) You know, I, I can't wait to go home and re-listen to this podcast. This is going to be great.
3: No, no, I still had other questions about your podcast, though, so Dale. How the hell did... Now, There's, I'm, I'm guessing there's several different uh, um, addresses that you can type in that you'll get to the, your podcast in the green room, but Dale Jones Pizza Barn? Oh,
1: no, dalespizzabarn.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If <laughs> you type in Dale, where we know pizzas, podcasts, and barns.
3: <laughs> but okay, so it's.
1: <laughs> yes, you go to Dale's Pizza com. It actually to... goes to greenroomradio.net. Room <laughs> net. So either one you want to go to. But, but yeah, there's not actually a page for Dale's Pizza Barn. No, I know. It just <laughs> takes you right to Green your Room podcast. I am just
3: wondering how you came up with that Addy, the Dale's Pizza Barn.
1: Because <laughs> I said I was going to. Uh, uh, Actually, Bill Most, the guy I do the podcast with. We were talking about uh, what I was going to do if this career went to shit after last comic standing. And this was years ago. And I said, I'm going to open a comedy club. And I'm going to name it Dale's Pizza Barn. Where we (laughs) know pizza, comedy, and barns. All
2: right. Well, hey, Dale, we are down to the last three minutes of the show. So I did tell you to be prepared with some shameless plugs. I'm going to give one shameless plug. And then I'm going to leave it at it for you and Steve. I'm just gonna plug the fact that next week I believe we're gonna have Steve Eric back here with me while we have April Macy calling into the studio, which is gonna be a great show. And although she is funny, she is a little bit more sexier than you, Dale. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to break you break you yeah. down. You're great, great facial expressions, but April's hot. You're not.
1: She gets all her tea bags from me. I
2: just <laughs> <want that to laughs> all right, man. Let me Steve real quick let a couple of people know where you're going to be in the next couple
3: of weeks. Um actually this this Saturday I'm down in Cape Coral BJ Odom he he's opening he's got a he's got a pizza
0: <laughs> Houdini's pizza.
3: And I know Dale knows BJ he's had comedy clubs throughout Florida for years. BJ has a pizzeria down in Cape Coral and this Sunday night he's or this Saturday night he's debuting comedy at his pizzeria. So I'm going to be there. And actually Friday night I'm going up to Crystal River to see your wife headline up at uh up at Bonkers in Crystal River.
2: So if anybody, wants, oh sweet, yeah, and that's Jody White in Crystal River.
3: Yep. at Bonkers at the Bonkers at some some biker bar. I don't know the name of it, but um, all right. And uh, n- next weekend I'm at uh, the nudist resort Caliente, and then I'm uh, I've, I've got a bunch of stuff. I'm I'm doing the kicking wings for uh, Nolan for Comedy and, Slam Radio. For Comedy Slam right. Radio, and next I've got a bunch of stuff, but nothing, you know, whatever. Nothing right. as important as Dale Jones. Give him a-
2: Dale, take a minute and tell us what you're doing.
1: Uh, let's see. July 25th and 26th, I'll be at Nashville and Zane's. Then on the 27th, twenty-eight, and 29th of July, I'll be at uh, the Punchline in Atlanta, Georgia. And then um, July 30th through August 5th, I'll be at the Comedy Cabana in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And go. the website is uh, dalejonescomic.com. You can get the, all the Facebook, the Twitter, the YouTube, the like with Dale, uh, the, the messages I leave on my mom's answer machine while I drive her nuts. And uh, make sure you go to DaleJonesComic.com because if you go to DaleJones.com, that's a one arm juggler out of St. Louis, which is the absolute truth.
2: <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you for tuning that man
1: in. He emailed me. He emailed me and was upset. And he goes, Do you even juggle? <laughs>
2: You should have been like, listen, one arm, how long did it take you to type that email?
1: Uh, listen exactly. everybody. exactly. <laughs> I, I told him he can do everything I can do except drive a stick. And I think that made it
2: <laughs> All right, guys. We gotta wrap it up. Dale, thank you for calling in. Steve, thank you for stopping oh, hey, by.
3: It was wonderful just to come in and listen to Dale Jones, the man's brilliant. Brilliance at its finest. Wow. Thank, thank you.
1: Thank you for it was good to hear your voice, man.
2: Thank you for calling in. Steve, thank you for coming in. Everybody out there in Funny World on Stitcher Radio, Comedy Slam, iTunes, keep on listening. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show. Stay funny, I'll stay fat, and we'll see you next Monday with April Macy. Good night.
0: What was that?
1: I'll tell you what that was.
0: That was another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com
1: where we put the dot com and comment.